Let's pray. Father, what a gift you have given us through your son, Jesus. We thank you for the life. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your great salvation that has been granted to us. We pray, Lord, as our hearts are touched and moved by the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love, that we indeed would experience the realities of your life in us. We praise you for that plan of salvation, but we especially rejoice in the possession of life itself. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.
David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has uh, been promised and that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. As we look back at verse 33 in Luke chapter 11, once again we read, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden, or under a bowl, instead he puts it on a stand, so that those who come in may see the light. As Jesus taught these things, and he granted us this little story or parable, his intent was to teach us that when he came, the light would be revealed. When he came, the glory of God would be manifested. When he came, truth would be declared and proclaimed throughout the world. The story of Christmas has indeed spread to almost every part of the world. We hear the Christmas carols, we see the lights, the candles, all the symbolism and among us, around us. The manger scene has been presented. Decorations are everywhere and gifts are everywhere in abundance. The Savior, who is our Emmanuel, has been born as King of the Jews. Yes, the Christ, he indeed is recognized as the Lord of all. Yet we live in a world in which darkness continually attempts to squeeze out the likeness of Christ. We go through challenges, we go through problems, we go through disappointments. We experience circumstances in life that might seemingly cause us to question, has the light of Jesus Christ been revealed to us? Jesus said it this way, no one lights a lamp he puts it in a place where it will be hidden, or under a bowl instead, he puts it on his stand, so that those who come in may see the light. The intent of Jesus Christ, the promise of Jesus Christ, is that the light is yet shining. When we think about Christmas, we obviously recognize that the candle has been held high, and the light has been revealed, and yet we look around to the left to the right, we see in front of us or behind us, indications that somehow the light has been diminished. It's darkness that tries to squash out the light. It's darkness that tries to squeeze out the truth. Yet in John's Gospel in chapter 3, it says the light has come into the world, but men have loved darkness instead of light. We see a deception. We experience a quenching of that truth. And yet to us to believe, it seems to be quite clear. Somehow in the world we live in, our Christmas story has been changed, it's been modified. That the brightness of the light seems to indicate another kind of story, that the true light has been somehow substituted, that the candles have somehow been replaced. The star has a new meaning and the choruses seem to have a new jingle. But somehow the darkness it seems to have temporarily covered the light, and yet the candle is still burning. The truth is still present. It's evident there because Jesus has proclaimed a good news that the truth would be there. 
As we look back at Luke chapter 11, we see that Jesus goes on to explain not only that the truth has been declared, it's been revealed to us, but he tells us a mystery in 34 and 35. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it, then, that the light within you is not darkness. It appears as if as bright as the light is, as, as real as the truth has been given to us and poured out upon our world, that every one of us, depending upon the condition of the way we see things, will predetermine what we see and what we do not see. Jesus has granted that evidence to us in a very clear and specific way, and yet the evidence can be diminished. The truth can be somewhat set aside if the conditions that you and I embrace or the responsibility we take is somewhat set aside or distorted. We allow the, the distortions to somewhat cloud out the reality. We're reminded that whenever Jesus spoke as he walked and lived and experienced life upon this earth, that the wisdom and truth he proclaimed became evident. People were clearly aware that he's different. He speaks as if he knows something more than the rest. He speaks with authority. He has a, a tremendous way to make an impact and influence upon humanity. People were amazed. They were impressed. They were challenged. They were touched. Because when Jesus spoke, he simply just didn't give words. But he had a way of communicating to the heart. The wisdom he proclaimed. We also recognize and became clear evidence among the people that when he went around ministering to people, he not only spoke with a profound ability to get and speak into the mind and touch the heart, but he had a tremendous way of expressing an enormous amount of compassion and love. And so when we see the miracles and we understand all that Jesus did, people understood this man has compassion. This man has love. They weren't sure as to who he was, but the proof of his reality became so evident upon people in all of his wisdom and all of his compassion and love, but all the impact of his gentleness and his ability to touch the heart with the issues of life. These things convinced people that who he is, whoever he is, he's important. He's special. There's something about the man Jesus that convinced people. But there's nothing like the evidence that God's grace works in your heart and mind. There's nothing like the argument that somehow when he still speaks, when we still look at his truths, when we still reflect upon the story of Christmas, that somehow the grace softens, it moves, it challenges us, it speaks into our life. As we look at these, I want to just mention just a few things pertaining to some secrets that seem to be uh, preserved for us in Scripture to help us understand how we can let the eye of the lamp, the eye, begin to see and grasp the beauty of the Christmas story. We all know that we could debate as to its realities. We could try to research and, and prove somehow the background or the credibility 
of not only the events, but also the scriptures. But I trust that we understand Jesus has granted to us a means and method of knowing for sure, for sure, for sure. One of the first ones that we did, if you'll turn with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, and we'll look at verse 13. As we think about uh, the Christmas accounts, we think about the wise men who traveled some great distance to come and present their gifts to the one that born the king. We have seen his star, and we've come to worship him. We, we understand about the shepherds, that they were challenged, that they need to go, and the sign is not going to be something real spectacular or something really profound, but they knew one thing. They needed to go to Bethlehem to see this sign, a baby in the manger. We think about these things, we connect together the thought of the promise in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse uh, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, the eye is able to see when the heart begins to move where it ought to be. The evidence comes when we begin to seek God. The confirmation of the heart comes when you and I humbly choose to say, I want to know the right answer. I want to be in the right place. I want to go and experience the reality of Christmas. We can keep Christmas a mystery. We can hold it somewhat as a simple story that we ought to be familiar with, or we can begin to realize that the evidence is not so much what God might show you out there. It's what he confirms right inside you. His promise is when our hearts begin to yearn to truly know him. Not just to know about him, but to know him. It's the searching heart that begins to experience the reality of what Christmas is about. A second thing, if you turn with me to the Psalms, and right in the middle of your Bible there in chapter 1, there's another key element that seems to tie together with the Christmas story, and that's the still, quiet moments of reflection and meditation. Mary is recognized, the one who pondered all of these things in her heart. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the mockers. But here it is, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree that's planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. There's something about the person of reflection. There's something about the person who chooses to meditate upon the beauty of that story and the beauty of God's continuing story, his word. There's something about the individual, such as you and I, that will come and say, God, just let me soak in the richness of truth. God does not tease us with promises. He teaches us that the power and the convincing evidences of life have to do with a person who pursues God, but also a person who ponders God. A person who waits upon God to allow him to stir in the hearts 
He will grant his full assurance. And you and I, by rise to a new level of faith, knowing that God's confirmed that that story is our story, becomes our experience in life as we enjoy that richness. A third one that's very important that seems to be rather evident in the Christmas story is found in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And we look at verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. We know that somehow when we think about the, the, the darkness that surrounded the story, and not only surrounded that story, but surrounds the life story that many of us are exposed to. That it's important to understand that the conditioning of the heart has a lot to do with how God confirms within us the truth about the Christ. It's a heart condition. It's a need of experiencing a change or a touch upon the heart. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, we see in essence a prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See, see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. One thing that will definitely change the way we see truth, interpret truth, respond to truth, is the condition of the heart. God does not demand that our heart gets clean for him to show us things. He simply invites us to be honest about the condition of our heart so he can show us the solution to the challenges we face. His purpose of coming is to not condemn us, not to judge us, but it's to transform our lives. And so it's important to know the conditioning of the eyes, the light, that our eyes are able to see and perceive is in, is in agreement or proportion to our willingness to say, Lord, you can change me. Allow your Holy Spirit to search and allow me to see those distinctions so that I might see him more clearly. One more thought that I believe is important as we think about the Christmas story, we think of the humbleness of the many characters involved in there. We see their movements, their willingness to cooperate with the truth that the angels declared and the message that comes to those that pursue him that we have one more evidence. Probably one of those key evidences that might become so dear or precious to us. Every one of us goes through seasons when life is not so great. Every one of us goes through moments when challenges come knocking upon our heart. They come into our mind. They seem to squeeze us into life. We wonder when life gets tough, where is God? Matthew chapter 18. We'll read verses 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 18. Verses 19 and 20. Again, I tell you that if two on earth agree about anything that you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. There's nothing like the humble approach of Christmas when you and those that you care about and love, you humbly pray and say, God, these are the needs, these are the concerns, these are the burdens, these are the challenges, these are the circumstances in life 
that might stretch our faith, they might cause us to question. But when God shows up and He blesses us with the fruits of that prayer, you are sold on Jesus Christ. Christmas is not only simply a reminder of a story that once was played out. It's the story that you and I live in. It's the story you and I experience. It's the opportunity to let God prove and demonstrate to us that He is pleased. Oh, the temptation might be that we want a different kind of sign. We want to know the right answer by demands that maybe we have. We might expect God to reveal Himself in one new kind of miracle or one new kind of fashion that is not necessarily promised in the Word. But if our heart comes humble, tender, sincere, willing to let God reveal to us exactly what He wants to reveal, then this story will be good. But the promise that He has is not so much that we would simply gain something out here, but we might gain Him right here. Christmas is about Jesus Christ living and reigning right here. Father, we are grateful that the story has not disappeared, that the candle might seem to have lost its glow. It may have seemed to flicker now and then. There may have been people or circumstances in life that has caused us to question the greatness of our Savior. But we're here today as a people of faith, a people who willingly come and say, Lord, you light up our world once again. Reveal yourself, show yourself, so that we might come and adore you. We praise you, Lord, especially for the changes you make within us. And now we say thanks, we give you praise, and may your name be lifted high. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, reminder, it's not over. It's just on hold till 5 o'clock tonight in light service. You get the other half of the story. We encourage you to uh, come out and we'll sell.